The book of Leviticus, we know you've been avoiding it because it's weird. So let's fix that. Now remember, the story of the Bible began with humans in God's presence, but they were banished because of their rebellion. However, God wants to be in relationship with us, so he chooses one family that he will use to restore the world back into his presence. And so God's presence comes to dwell in a tent right in the middle of Israel. And that's great. But it creates a problem because it's so intense that Moses can't go in and other priests who enter inappropriately, they die. Well, wait, if God's presence is good, how is it all of a sudden dangerous for people? So think of it this way. God's presence is like the sun. It's pure power and goodness. And when something mortal and corruptible gets close to such pure power, it's destroyed. And so the word holiness is used in Leviticus to describe God's pure and powerful presence, which, like the sun, is both good and dangerous. So the point of Leviticus is to show how corrupt Israelites can live near God's goodness without being destroyed. Now, in the book, there are three ways for how this is all going to work out, and these are going to seem strange to you, but just hang in there with us. The first one is rituals. The second is this idea of the priesthood, and the third is a bunch of purity laws. Now, the book is broken up into seven sections, and each solution is explored in two sections of the book. The rituals are here, the priests are here, and the purity laws go here. Now, the first solution, rituals, involves a lot of animal sacrifices. And so Leviticus begins with detailed instructions for how to make these sacrifices. Some are ways of saying thank you to God, and others are simply ways of saying I'm sorry. And here at the end of the book, there are some more rituals. These are about observing sacred days and festivals. They're all celebrations that retell some part of the story of how God rescued Israel and set them apart from the nations. The second solution to the holiness problem has to do with priests. You see, being directly in God's presence is really dangerous. So he appoints priests as special representatives who can go into his presence on behalf of others. So in this section, we have a story about how the priests are ordained into the priesthood. And then this other section explains the set of higher standards that the priests have to live by because they work so closely to God's presence. The third solution in the book is all about purity laws. And this is by far the hardest thing to understand. For example, in this section, we're really concerned with knowing whether you're clean or unclean. Or another way of saying that is being pure and impure. And here's what we need to know to understand this. When you're in a pure state, you can be near God's presence. When you're in an impure state, you can't. And so it was really important for Israelites to know what state they're in at any given moment. So the first thing we have is a list of pure and impure animals. Yeah, this list of animals is divided up by where they live. So on the land, in the sea, in the air. And the text is just not clear about why certain animals are impure or why touching or eating them makes you impure. What is clear, however, is that avoiding these creatures will set Israel apart and it will remind them that God's own holiness should affect every part of their lives, including what they eat. After the food laws, we get a lot of random rules about things like skin disease, touching dead bodies, what to do with bodily fluids. But they're not random. All of these are things that the Israelites associated with life and death, which are sacred things because God is the author of life. Okay, but 
simply coming into contact with these things makes you impure? They do, but we have to keep in mind that it's not wrong or sinful to be ritually impure. You just wait a few days, take a bath, offer sacrifice, and you're pure again. What is inappropriate is entering into God's presence when you're in an impure state. Now, there's more purity laws over here in this section. Yeah, these focus on Israel's moral behavior. So these are laws about social justice, healthy relationships, having sexual integrity. Living by these laws will make Israel into a morally pure people who can live near God's presence. Those are the three solutions. Now, you've probably noticed that they surround the very center of this book. And it's here that we find a really important ritual called the Day of Atonement. Yeah, so Israel's a big tribe now, and odds are there's a lot of sin happening that goes unnoticed that people are not dealing with. And so one time a year, the priests would take two goats, and one of those goats is killed, and its blood is carried right into God's presence where it symbolically covers or atones for Israel's sin. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Well, the meaning of the sacrifice, it's explained in the next chapter, where God says that the blood of a creature is its life. And so this goat's life is offered as a substitute. It's receiving God's punishment for Israel's sin so that the people don't have to. That leaves the second goat. Yeah, the priest puts his hands on it, and then he confesses all the sins of Israel. It's like he's placing the sins on the goat. And then that goat gets cast out forever into the wilderness. It's called the scapegoat. Yeah, I've heard that word before. Yeah, it's this very powerful image of how God is graciously removing Israel's sin. But let's be honest, sacrifices in general seem so barbaric. We have to remember that in the ancient world, sacrifices were the main way of buying favor from the gods. But the problem was that those same gods, they're unpredictable, they're fickle, you never know if they're going to ignore you or they're going to turn on you. And so it's in this cultural setting that we see Israel's God as totally different. He does get angry about human corruption, but it is never arbitrary and he loves people. So he provides this clear way for Israel to know with confidence that they are forgiven and that despite their corruption, they are safe to live near his presence. And so that makes the book of Leviticus actually a revolutionary statement in its day. So that's Leviticus. But Israel's still at Mount Sinai in the middle of the wilderness. They need a place to live. Yes, the land God promised to Abraham. And so the journey to that land is what the next book of the Bible is all about. Okay, so um, a couple of scriptures for you guys before we get into Leviticus chapter 19. Uh, there's a couple ways that we can define, um, and I want to spend some, some weeks defining um, the second piece of this commandment, okay? So um, if you have your Bibles, you guys can turn to Mark 12. This is a great highlighter. Um, if you don't have it highlighted, uh, I think you have it memorized because we talk about it so often, okay? So the great commandment, amen, uh, to love God, yeah, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, okay? And then the second part of the great commandment, yeah, Mark 12, 31, that we should yeah, love our neighbors as we love ourselves, yeah? There is no other commandment greater than these. When I, when I think about um, my initial thoughts to loving uh, our neighbors, it uh, kind of like immediately what comes to my mind is discipleship, 
Yeah, like reaching the lost, like finding people who don't know the Lord, uh, being a great image uh, to them, um, a good example, you know, hopefully that relationship continues and I get to tell them about Jesus, they see Jesus in my life, get to pray for them, and then they start following the Lord. So Friday night, um, I have junior hires, uh, the junior high boys on Friday night, it's a pretty good group. And we just finished the book of Daniel. And the last chapter in the book of Daniel has this, uh, this vision. Daniel gets this vision, this prophecy of Jesus returning. Yeah? And so we start talking about um, Jesus returning uh, and saving those people whose names are written in this book. Yeah? Uh, Daniel talks about it hundreds of years before uh, Jesus writes about it. Okay? And so... Um, in there, we start talking about how do we, um, within the group on Friday, we start talking like how do we, one, follow Jesus and how do we lead people to the Lord? And this one boy goes like, hey, does it, it was perfect, it was perfect. He raised his hand and said, hey, so if I follow Jesus and people follow me, does that mean they follow Jesus as well? And I said, you're right on point. Like, that's really the heart of discipleship, you know? Like, as we follow the Lord and we get people to follow us, eventually, you know, hopefully they'll follow Jesus. Paul says it, follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, so when I think about discipleship initially, um, you can turn this down a little bit, Blair. Um, uh, when I think about discipleship initially, I, I have this sense of evangelism in me, this sense of like, reaching the loss and being an example for other people. But as I started studying today, God kind of gave me a little like curve, not curveball, but I, I just have a different sense of that tonight. Um, so I want to give you guys a, a verse. Um, Psalms 133 verse 1. And, and I want this to kind of be the lens through which we... Uh, the lens through which we read loving our neighbor. Okay? So uh, Psalms 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Amen? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Uh, for the most part, we all experience this not only on Monday nights with the leaders and students from different schools and different um, age groups and different personalities but within the group that comes to worship on a monday night there's so much diversity you know we live in hawaii hawaii is a melting pot society which means we got different ethnicities we got different um, cultural norms and practices and yet we still learn how to function you know we still learn how to function with one another we we learn how to not only um survive on one island with other people who have different upbringings but we love one another you know like just that spirit of aloha that is on our island and i hear it right we may not hear it as much from people who live here but i hear it a lot from people who don't live here see because we live on this island all the time and we just get used to 
the Aloha spirit. We get used to people being courteous and helpful and letting the old timers go forward and, you know, opening the door for people. But when I talk to uh, foreigners, yeah, people from out of state or out of country, they come here and they're like, man, this isn't the norm. Like where I'm from, people aren't, aren't this courteous. Like recently I just talked to this guy who's from the, uh, the Northwest, I don't know, like Oregon or something like that. And he's like, man, I hate it where I live. Like people are rude. They interrupt one another. They're not kind, you know, they're not generous. You know, and, and I'm sure there are kind and generous people there, but for the most part, uh, when, he, when he came to um, Maui, you know, he saw something here that was kind of in the general public that wasn't necessarily found in the general public where he was from, okay? So, um, so I feel like we experienced this verse, right? Psalms 133, verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. So not only here on Monday nights, but we experience it with the youth camp that we have, right? Uh, this last Saturday, uh, we, we had a, a leader meeting for the camp that we have coming up. And there was like high, mid-30s, you know, 40 amount of people there from different churches and different age groups and different genders. And, you know, and it was awesome. Like everybody who walked up that steps, you know, from the living way crew to the GBC guys to uh, the whammers, like it, it was just this, you know, the God's house guys, the Kahului Naz guys, like it just was like a brother and sisterhood. And it was fun to be in that room. So when I think about loving your neighbor tonight, that's kind of what I feel is, is, is really at the heart of what Jesus is saying. So in, in Mark 12, Jesus is questioned by a Jewish guy. And he says, hey, Jesus, of all the commandments, what is the most important? Right? Jesus starts off by saying, love God. He finishes it by saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Yeah? And I feel like what God is saying is because we love God or, or as a demonstration of our love for God, we should love who? Our neighbors, right? The people that we work next to, the people that we live next to, the people that we go to school next to, yeah? And even if we don't know who they are, they may be strangers. Like maybe it's up to us to make that, you know, initiation to, to try to befriend them and see if we, we can help them. So really, at the heart of what we're talking about tonight is the Loha Spirit, you know? It is the Loha Spirit, you know, from the very heart of God, yeah? From the very heart of God. Okay, so uh, turn your Bibles, let's go to Leviticus, yeah? Um, I'm going to read Leviticus 19. You guys can follow along, ESV. We don't have the verse, um, you don't have to put it up there. Uh, we don't have the verse on the screen, but we will have an outline of 10 things that um, we get from this reading. So Leviticus 19, verse 9 through 18. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, we good? You guys kind of following along? It's uh, page 97 in my Bible. 
Good. Okay. All right. Leviticus 19. Yeah. Verse 9 through 18. Okay, verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, yeah, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Verse 11. You shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by uh, my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you um, all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Verse 15. You shall, not, uh, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Okay? All right. So, um, 10 things that... Uh, is kind of listed in this section, yeah? Blair, I think we have that list up there, yeah? Um, okay, so I'm not going to go... Uh, I'll, I'll list off all the 10 things that is covered here, but I'm not going to dive into to each one of them. I just want to dive into a couple of them. Okay, so he starts off by talking about this, this vineyard, right? Like not stripping your vineyard 100% or not... Uh, harvesting your crops all the way up to the edge. He's saying leave some leftovers for the poor and the sojourner. Okay? Uh, so back in the day when they used to harvest things, right, they used to uh, plow their fields all the way up to the edge. And what um, the Lord was writing through Moses and Leviticus was when you harvest, don't harvest everything. Leave some leftovers. For the guys who don't have anything, for the guys who are on a journey as they're passing by your field, they can harvest some of the wheat or they can go into your vineyard and grab some grapes. Amen? Yeah? Leave some leftovers. You know, so what is, what, what are we hearing? Jesus is referring back to this verse, you know, how can we apply this to, to the, the, the modern day, right? Even in our, the, the lives that we live when we're, when we're working um, when we're gathering, you know, when I think about um, life in Hawaii, we have resources, right? And there's a lot of guys here who do hunting, fishing, gathering, you know? And it's, it's a common practice in Hawaii not to just um, take all the resources, you know? Like we're gonna go to, when I go to a fishing spot, not just to just pound fish because they're, 
is a lot of fish around, you know? You take what you need for you and your family and maybe, you know, some other families and then go home, you know? And then go home. Uh, when I go out to the east side, to Hana, like those Hana guys, they regulate because the ocean is like their refrigerator. When different people come out there and they harvest, you know, coolers full of fish, man, those guys are not happy. Yeah, they are not happy. Um, and so I think we understand this verse here in Hawaii, yeah? To, to think about other people, yeah? In our gathering. So uh, a couple verses, right, um, that I want to throw to you uh, for this first one. Yeah, live, live generously towards the poor and the alien. Um, so think about James, James 127. Yeah. Let me read this verse for you. Um, so I'm going to give you ten, 10 different bullets. Yeah, we're just going to outline all 10 sections, uh, 10 things that are listed off in this Leviticus, and I'll talk about a couple, couple of them. But uh, what James, the brother of Jesus, writes in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 11, he says, uh, this religion, yeah, religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, that you would visit orphans and widows in their affliction to keep oneself unstained from the world. Yeah, and I love that. Like James says, like there is a certain type of purity and, and, and Jesus would confirm it or, or James confirmed what Jesus was all about. Jesus was all about the poor, you know? He came to seek and save the lost. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Like when Jesus came on his ministry, he lived his life for others, Yeah? Even though he was king, he came not to be served, but to serve. You know, in the heart of this commandment is a heart for others. So right out of the, the gate, we read out of Leviticus that when we are out there gathering, yeah, leave some for other people. Be thoughtful for people that maybe you may never meet, you know? I mean, what they, they refer to this sojourner, right? Like a like hitchhikers, like people who just pass by, you know? Uh, I'm just thinking, in, in my mind, I have like, uh, I, ha I live next to the bagels, you know? And if the bagels are mindful, they're not going to cut their avocado tree. They're going to let it grow over the wall that separates their, <laughs> their yard from my yard so I can be the sojourner that steals, has, has avocados from their tree, you know? When they harvest, you know, and avocado trees, we all know, produce way more avocados than you could eat in your lifetime. There's always extra. There's always some to go around. And so even if they harvest, what, uh, what we're reading tonight is you saying, like, think about other people. Harvest some, give away some, leave some. Just in case there's other people around, you know, um, that are in need. Okay. Uh, one more verse in this section. Just, I, I'm just thinking about like other people, you know. Um, here, here's a good one, okay? And I don't talk about this on Monday nights at all, and I, and I probably should. Actually, maybe we should tonight or in, in the days ahead. Um, I don't know why I don't give you guys opportunity to do this, but um, in, in Malachi, there's a promise in Malachi that really um, 
is one of the very few places in Scripture where Jesus, or, or um, where the Lord says that we can test him in this manner. Okay? So Malachi verse, uh, or chapter 3, I want to read verse 10. Okay? Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. What a great promise, yeah? So it's, it's about bringing... So, so when we harvest, right, so back then they, they, um, they lived with crops, you know. So when they harvested, they would bring in the harvest into these storehouses, yeah. And part of what the, the promise was then was that not only would you take for yourself and your family, but you'd also give a portion to God's house, yeah. For the priests who served and the people who served uh, the community, you would also bring that into the storehouse. And God says that we can test him in this manner. Amen? You know, so for those who have jobs, yeah, you get a paycheck, you know. Um, we live in the New Testament, which doesn't teach 10%, but it says to be generous, to outdo one another in showing honor, you know. And so uh, good, a good teaching is, okay, on, on tithing, a good teaching is, um, generosity, yeah? God doesn't need your money, but he requires our faithfulness, yeah? If God is faithful to bring an increase in your life financially, we should be faithful to allow the increase to overflow into his house, yeah? Into his family. And so what, uh, what Steph and I do is we, we tithe 10% to the church, yeah? From our income, and then we'll do extra for other people, you know, like I love uh, treating people, you know, treating people to lunch, treating people to dinner, um, sometimes people who come and eat with me, or even better, when I see friends that are eating at the restaurant, and I'll leave before they leave, you know, and then just cover their bill, you know, so I'm allowing God to use, um, to use me and the resources that he's put into my life to be a blessing to others. I think that it's real similar, you know, when we're talking about this, this verse in Leviticus when he's saying don't harvest everything, you know? Don't harvest everything. Just leave a little bit of edge, you know? Leave some extra grapes in the vineyard so that when other people come, they can partake in what God has already blessed. So God blessed the family. They're going to give some to the storehouse and then they're going to keep some and then they're also going to leave extra for others. You know, we just... Uh, Steph and I and a bunch of other people just finished this financial course, you know, and this financial course uh, from Dave Ramsey, super good, super good. And one of the, the teachings is that, you know, that we should uh, not totally consume everything, you know, not totally consume all the extra. Like we should invest some, you should save some, use some, you know, like, uh, anyway, you guys get the point, right? So we're talking about loving our neighbor we can plan it into our lives. When we're talking about leaving extra in our harvest, yeah, I feel like what Jesus is pointing to is saying like, 
plan that into your life. Plan into our uh, practices and our habits that we um, participate in in this life opportunity for us to be a blessing. Yeah, opportunity for us to be a blessing. So when I go to the beach, you know, maybe if I know there's going to be a few people, rather than taking one board, I'll take two boards. Even though I can't use two boards, you know, I want to take another board. Why? Because maybe somebody else doesn't have a board. You know, so work and, and plan to be a blessing to others. Yeah, the action of, of love can be spontaneous, but it can also be a planned um, way. And I, I don't think it uh, makes it less um, genuine. I think it actually makes it more genuine if we plan out into our lives, if we set aside or we budget items or opportunity or finances, opportunity or, or ways to, to be a blessing to others. Yeah. Um, I love that verse, right? We should outdo one another in showing honor to God. I know I mentioned it earlier in the tithing, but I want to mention it now that we should outdo one another like in, in loving and caring and kind and honoring of other people and those things, it's better for us to be planned in those things. Yeah? How many of you guys um, do uh, um, like a, compa- you guys have a compassion kid? Anybody? Have, or you guys have at least heard that, right? Where you sponsor like some kid in Africa or you know, across the world. Like, that's being a blessing, loving somebody who's not really your neighbor, could be a neighboring country across the world, you know, but it's a planned way of being a blessing in their lives. Yeah, for those who do it, shaka, you know, stay at that. Okay, all right, so let's continue. Um, not all 10 of these I'm gonna elaborate because I think some of them are pretty self-explanatory. All right, so the next one he talks about is uh, do not steal from anyone. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Um, the next one, do not be deceptive in dealing, in your dealings with, with people. Like be an honest person. Yeah, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Okay. Next he says, um, do not swear in God's name. Yeah, or use God's name in vain. And we did a series back a little bit ago um, when we went through the commandments, yeah? The Ten Commandments, and we shall not use the the name of the Lord. And I love in my studies what we talked about for that one. It wasn't just, a lot of us interpret that by saying we shouldn't use God's name in in like a vulgar cuss language, right? How many of us are familiar with that, right? Like not use God's name that way. But what we talked about in our series was that accurate but what's even more accurate is when we carry the Lord's name on our shoulders but represent him in a false way. To say that we're a Christian but not actually living like Christians, you know? To say that we're believers, we are representatives of God but yet in our actions, we aren't really representing him, right? To say like I'm a Christian and God loves me and God loves you but I don't love you. That's also a way where we take God's name in vain. Yeah? When we're not good representatives of the Lord. You know, so in school, in work, in in our interaction, hey, with our families, Shaka, we want to make sure that we honor, right? Honor our parents. Yeah, even if they may not get us and maybe if they're a little whack and a little, 
you know, out in left field sometimes. We may not agree with them all the time, but we should always honor and love them. Amen? Not because sometimes it's easy, yeah, but because God calls us to do those things. Amen? Okay, so a couple more, right? So he goes on the list. He says, uh, do not oppress, rob, or exploit the poor by paying unfair wages. Yeah, that's uh, Leviticus 19.13, 19.14. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block uh, before the blind. And when I was reading that, I was like, that's messed up, man. How many of us are going to put a stumbling block in front of a blind person? You know, like jokingly, like not treat the dis the underprivileged well you know um anybody have people like that in your life like people are just a little slow or they a little uh you know they didn't develop psychologically well or they had an injury or paralyzed something that i think we all should have people like that in our lives you know and and be friends with them you know take care of them like actually like love on them you know i mean i think about my dad my dad just had a stroke in july my dad is one of them you know my dad cannot talk right now you know like he'll say a couple words here and there and he'll just mumble he cannot use like his right arm and really my dad is is one of these people you know i don't see him like that but i remember the first time after he had a stroke i'm like man my dad is disabled you know it's hard for me to say that you know, but the cool thing is that he's disabled physically, but he's probably more enabled spiritually than he's ever been before. And I'll take that way more than his physical abilities because when he was physically able, his two feet walked him away from the Lord, you know? So praise God that in his disabilities, man, he's, he's found the Lord. So anyway, okay, so uh, a couple more. Um, do not be partial to the poor or show favor to the great, and I think, I think we do this so easy where we show favoritism. How many of us really like cool people or popular people or famous people and people who aren't like that, you're kind of like, eh, I don't really pay attention to them. That shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, it shouldn't be like that with our lives. And I, and I feel like you guys, um, if, you, if you test myself and the leaders, like you guys are gonna see that, you know? If you look at a track record, I think I, I treat pretty much all of you equally. Yeah? Like I'll give you the kaipo face regardless of who you are. You know? But I'll still help you guys out and, and care for you guys. And if you guys need a ride or you guys need lunch or you guys need help or whatever, I feel like um, the leadership here models that well. And what I'm asking is that, and I feel God is asking, is that you guys would model that well too. Um, And it's tough. It's tough. Why? Because we live in a culture where we idolize famous people, you know? Like, oh, look at that guy. That's so-and-so, you know? And, and I don't know what it is about me. Maybe I'm just the local boy and prideful. But, you know, anytime I see somebody famous, I almost purposely don't want to go up to them and shake their hand. Like, sometimes I'm like, I don't even care. Whatever. He's just a normal person, you know? I mean, unless they did something amazing. Maybe I'm just great you know really want to be honoring to them but i'm definitely not going to idolize people you know um i mean it just doesn't make any sense to me like we should i mean if we're gonna 
really honor people, let's honor our parents, you know? Let's honor our pastors, let's honor our teachers, the people who like, or our friends that go above and beyond to serve us, you know? Serve us and make sacrifices for us, man. Those are the people I should be like cheering on and being like, man, you are amazing. Can I have your signature, please? (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah, so anyway, we shouldn't show partiality, um, but we want to make honest judgments on people, okay? Uh, Three more, three more, and then one verse and we're finished. Um, Do not commit financial fraud. Um, Do not hate your brother, okay? Um, And then lastly, do not seek revenge or hold a grudge, but extend forgiveness, Okay? But extend forgiveness to other people. Yeah. Um, I guess if, if I could wrap up with two verses, um, uh, tonight's, tonight's talk, yeah. One would be uh, Galatians 5. Yeah. You guys can turn your Bibles there. I got two verses and then I'll pray and we're out of here. Okay. So Galatians chapter 5, Paul is writing this letter to the, to the church in Galatia. Yeah, and, and they're, they're kind of wrestling through um, some religious practices that would make them uh, righteous versus just having faith in Christ as their justification for righteousness. Okay? Uh, but anyway, within there, Jesus, or Paul writes in verse 14, uh, this very verse, he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word or one phrase, yeah? You shall love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So he quotes, Paul quotes Jesus and says, you know, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And verse 15, I think, is, is super central to this topic of us loving our neighbor, okay? Paul says, but if you bite and devour one another. Watch out that you are not consumed by each other. And and I think about uh, drama, you know. I think about middle school and high school drama. I've seen so many girl, mostly girls, not so much boys. Boys will just scrap and then be fine with it later. But girls will like, you know, and gossip and uh, be malicious and go behind each other's backs and post things and, you know, like, you know, uh, I've seen so many girls go from, this is my best friend. I love her with my entire life. I'll do anything for her. And then you wait a couple months and, you know, not even a couple months. It could be a couple days. You know, I just went on this, this Disney trip um, a couple weeks ago and I was chaperoning 20, they were 23 kids um, to Magic Mountain and went to Knott's Berry Farm and we left Thursday night and we came back on a Tuesday. So what is that? That's not even that many days, you know? And there was three girls there who were like, best friends you know they did everything together day one they were together on the trip they sat together on the plane 
you know, they are in, in each other's room. First day amusing park, every time I see one of them, I see the other two, like just shadows, you know. The second day, boom, same thing, yeah. Nasberry Farm, they're eating together, they're laughing together, they're performing next to each other. You know, come the third day, I see two girls and I see one right next to me. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you here? You know, why are you following me around now? You know? And I didn't have to ask them anything. I just knew that had drama. So I sat them down. I said, okay, tell me what's happening. And they didn't have to tell me anything. I already saw that there was drama going on, you know? And it was just he said, she said stuff and blah, blah, blah. And so I had them make up. They hugged. They forgave each other. Boom. They went off to the races, you know? But there's a danger in... When Jesus is saying that we should love our neighbor, yeah, there, there, there's a practice, well, not a danger, but there's, there's something that needs to be present in every relationship for, for all relationships to continue, okay? The truth is we're human, we're fallen creatures, and we are going to offend somebody, yeah? We're going to offend somebody, we're going to do something um, that hurts them, yeah, whether we know and we do it deliberately or we don't know, yeah, and we still hurt them in the process. Um, but in order for us to be loving towards our neighbor, yeah, even in the midst of our neighbor uh, and their flaws or myself and my flaws, yeah, um, There's one more verse I want to share with you guys tonight, uh, and it's actually all over the Bible, and you guys, you guys can guess it, yeah? What is uh, the, the seven-letter word that needs to be a part of every relationship? Starts with an F, ends with an E, yeah, to forgive one another, amen? In order for us to really be loving and caring towards others, yeah, we need to forgive each other, yeah? just as God forgave us. And uh, the verse I want to share you guys was in Luke, uh, I think Luke 17. I thought I wrote it down. Da -da 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 -da. Oh yeah, so Luke chapter 17. Let me just read from verse 1. Um, and he said to his disciples, so Jesus said to his disciples, temptations, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and they were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of the little ones to sin. Okay, verse 3, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Amen. People have such a hard time with forgiveness. Christians, yeah. Christians have a hard time with forgiveness. And for me, it doesn't make any sense. Because we've been forgiven by so, we've been forgiven from so much already. Yeah, 
that should be motive enough for us to forgive other people. Yeah. Um, I have one more story, but I'm not going to share it tonight. Um, anyway. The second of the greatest, yeah, the second part of the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor. Yeah. Love your neighbor. Yeah. Um, if I could highlight two things from tonight, it would be what I, where, where we started and where we ended. Yeah. Plan into your life opportunity and extra to be a blessing. Okay? Keep a couple extra dollars in your wallet. You know? Keep a gift card in your wallet. Look for opportunities, you know, where you can, can bless somebody. Amen? And then probably if I could sum up the ending would be probably the most important, you know. Always remember that we've been forgiven of so much. Yeah, we've been forgiven of so much. Use that as motivation in our forgiveness of other people. Amen? Okay, so um, let's close in prayer and then, um, and then we're done. Uh, Jesus, thanks so much for tonight. Thanks so much for this opportunity, God, for us to open up your word. Um, Lord, it may not seem like rocket science or an aha moment, but really it is life-changing, God, that you would love us. We, were, we are your neighbors, God, that we are your children, and you didn't have to, God, but you came and you loved us so much that you gave your only son yeah, to die on the cross for our sins. And we pray that we would use you, we would consider you, God, and your example. You didn't come to, uh, to be served, but to serve, and to serve in a way where other people would be loved, God. And so we pray that we would use you, God, as a model, as an example in our motive, um, in our, you know, planning, Lord, to be a blessing to others uh, because you planned it out, God, to be a blessing to us, Lord. I pray that we would be ready to be a blessing to somebody else. Um, thank you so much, God, for forgiving us of our sins and our trespasses and our wrongdoings, God, the times where we deliberately do things that would hurt you and hurt others. Thanks so much for forgiving us for that. Father, I pray that that would be fuel in our forgiveness. Because we've been forgiven of so much, Lord, I pray that we would forgive other people uh, seven times seven times seven times seven. Pretty much, God, anytime people need forgiveness, I pray that we would be forgiving of them and uh, that you would restore a relationship with them. I pray for tonight, Lord, the group that's here tonight. If somebody here has been hurt by someone else, Lord, I pray that you would um, bring them healing and you would bring them to a place, God, where they would be able to forgive um, the trespasser. It could be a love. It probably is a loved one. Um, those are the ones that are probably the hardest, Lord. They hurt the most when we're hurt by those who should be loving us. But I pray that you'd give them supernatural strength, God, tonight. Supernatural strength, God, to forgive those who have hurt them. And uh, I pray for freedom in their relationships, Lord. I pray for a unifying of their relationships. I pray that they would be able to enjoy Psalms 133, God, verse 1. How good and pleasant it is, God, when we are able to dwell together in unity. So I praise you, Father, for this group, the leaders, Lord, the students here, that we are all on the same page, you know, 
that we love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, God, because you loved us with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so we want to make sure, God, that as you loved us, Lord, we want to love others in return. So give us opportunities, God, this week to be a blessing. And uh, we pray that you would get all the glory, honor, and praise through it, Lord. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.